Hey, this is Nick Walters again with the National Hemp Growers Co-ops podcast, commonly known as the Industrial Hemp Growers Digest. So welcome back again for yet another episode. One of the things that we always look forward to each month is having a really solid legal update and information that come from our friends at the Bradley uh, Law Firm with the cannabis um uh, group there within the law firm and Whit Steinecker and Hunter Robinson are uh, uh, on deck yet again to give us some counsel and intel. So thank you guys for uh, being back with us yet again. Happy, Happy to be, be here. here. Well, y'all, y'all are going to get the frequent flyer awards on this just uh, uh, as the uh, as, uh, 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 most recorded guest. You, you've already won that award, by the way, but you, uh, you're you going to be able to maintain it, I hope, for some time to be uh, in the future. So, Does let's that entitle talk- us to some sort of free uh, free alcoholic beverage? It, it would. The next time I see you, I assure you that that will be the one to pick up the town. How about that? <laughs> Excellent. And I'm coming through Birmingham in, 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 in a, about a month, so that, that's even getting closer. Okay. On my way to Nashville, so I can get both of y'all at one at one whack. There we go. There we go. There we go. One setting. Um, so, you know, the thing that I have enjoyed as well uh, about our conversations is those things that you bring to our attention as, hey, heads up, this is the kind of thing that we're seeing that are floating around out there legal-wise. Here's how some particular um, uh, information or project or or thing that is um, uh, going on within the legal world that we need to be aware of and and uh, kind of how things play out. That's all incredibly valuable information for us as we're trying to think about people who are professionals in this business. But let me bring it down to a business owner. Uh, someone who is in the business of processing um, uh, hemp in some shape, form, or fashion, whether that be CBD or whether that be industrial for some other grain or fiber usage. If I am a processor or I'm a, a small business entity or any business entity, I should say, there are a certain amount of things as a corporate structure that are important for me to pull together whether I'm an LLC or whether I'm an S-Corp or whether I'm a C-Corp or whether I'm registered in Delaware or whether I'm registered in my home state, all those factors can come into play. And I I don't know that we want to have to delve off into every piece and part of that. But once I get my, my business set up, we file the appropriate documents and, and we put together, depending on whether I've got partners and all the rest of that, What's kind of an ongoing thing or things I need to be conscious of as it relates to kind of keeping my house in order as it relates to my legal documents or updates or interaction with my uh, attorneys or some of all of that? Um, Is that a weird question or does that make some sense? No, it's a great question. Um, And the way you phrased it is, and, and sort of set it up as is the way that it is a very natural and human way that most of us tend to think about the day-to-day things in our life. You know, you, you start your hemp uh, enterprise and you're interested in doing all of the creative and interesting parts of it and growing it and 
and developing it and, 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 you know, watching it, uh, you know, turn into this, turn into sort of what you'd always imagined. Uh, and it's hard sometimes to refocus on sort of the blocking and tackling, which is what we're talking about here and making sure that your ducks are, are in a row from the get go and that they, they stay in a row. Um, and you know, they're not, there's not the sexy types of things to think about. Um, but, but we think it's important and I, and I'll, I'll even back it up just one step from where you got us started, Nick, and say, you know, maybe, maybe the most important thing that you do, depending on your company, your, you know, your venture's ultimate success, uh, or failure, uh, you know, in the worst case is getting those organizational documents right. Uh, it is very common that people will come to us and say, I've already got an LLC set up. Um, I just need you to do X, Y, and Z. And it turns out that um, they didn't do it right to set up the LLC. Either they technically didn't do it right in the sense that they don't actually have an LLC or it's not registered with the appropriate, uh, you know, secretaries of state of whatever jurisdiction that they think it is. Um, and they didn't even know that that was a thing or they didn't have, they didn't have articles of incorporation or an operating agreement or anything like that. Or the way they actually set it up is not how they intended to set it up. And they don't realize that there's a difference between the two. Um, and that may be well and fine right up until it isn't right up until, you know, there's one of the partners wants out and understands that. You know, he or she has a 40% stake in the company. It turns out that that's reflected nowhere in the documents. Mm. And all of a sudden, that's when we've got real problems. And so uh, it it usually does not take that much time or money to get your organizational documents right. Uh, There are resources online, um, and I'm not going to give free advertising to any of them, uh, that will allow you to form an LLC uh, without consulting a lawyer. Uh, I tend to think that that's, that that's to your detriment. I think you can find a lawyer who can do this uh, pretty inexpensively. Absolutely. And if it, and if it ends up being expensive, then it's probably because it ends up being complicated. And if you've got a bunch of different business partners and you want to have a complicated structure where, you know, some of the partners have more of the actual voting power, but their voting power isn't reflective of their economic rights and things like that. All the more reason that you want to have somebody who knows what they're doing other than trying to fill it out, you know, on a box checking app, um, you know, online. And so and the reason we I mean, there's there's two reasons to do you want to do this right on the front end. One is, I mean, might as well do it right. And this is like one of the first things that happens in the business. The second thing is people tend to be on the same page when these ventures begin. And people tend to be agreeable and they're all shooting for the same goal. And they all know that their their business in the next five years is going to be worth, you know, like SpaceX type money. And uh, so everybody's happy to agree to things that are generally sort of helpful. Mm -hmm. Fast forward, you know, six years and everybody hates each other and wants out. 
uh, people's memories tend to get a little hazy about what they all agreed to. So let's get it out on paper. You know, make sure if somebody thinks that they have a, you know, 10% equity stake, let's make sure that it's there. Let's make sure that it's clear. We shouldn't have any of this. Um, there shouldn't be any handshake deals, side deals. You know, I'll true you up if we ever sell. You know, you're going to be valuable to this company. Um, you know, I'll give you some sort of bonus. I mean, if it's not in the if it's not in the documents, then you should assume that it's not real. And if someone tells you that in the course of your business, then you need to amend your document. So that's that may be one of the biggest issues that we see is that people just didn't get it quite right on the front end. And sure. then when they try to when they try to fight over it afterwards, um, it, 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 it really becomes problematic. And the thing that would have cost you five to fifteen hundred dollars uh, on the front end ends up costing you know fifty to five hundred thousand dollars in litigation. Um, oftentimes when uh, you know people can least afford that money. And so, uh, you know, I hate to be the person who, you know, says, you know, you should definitely call and pay lawyers because it sounds self-serving. Uh, but here, uh, maybe you can at least take solace that I'm, I'm asking you to call and pay us less money than pay us more money later. Well, let me just say from personal experience, it is absolutely worth the money without any question. It's not crazy money. If you were trying to, as we might say, if you're trying to po-boy your way through some of this, the legal documents on the front end is not the, it's not one of those expenses that you want to chance on. Um, I have taken some of those templates uh, that you can find out there on that thing they call the World Wide Web, and uh, I've gotten exactly the value of what I paid for, okay? And, and have come back later to... Um, regret that we got into that because there wasn't specificity and and there wasn't clarity and and it's not even it's not even that our memories were going in one one person remembered one thing compared to the other it got down to the actual language in there that said yeah but that's ambiguous that doesn't really tell you exactly what that is and so um uh it's a matter of what either group either party was reading into, right? Well, that's not the way I read it. Well, that's the way I read it. Well, that's not, the, you know, so that's a, it's a mess and it's not anything that you want to have to fool with. And, and to your point, the honeymoon stage is terrific, but after about five or six years of marriage, you start figuring out that old boy sleep the next day, he's got the chronic halitosis and it, you know, stores 15 hours of the day. Then I'm like rethinking this deal a little bit. And, and I might want to do some adjustment or maybe we got into this thing in some type of a partnership uh, that was maybe a three person LLC, let's say. And we were all going to have a 33rd and a third vote, you know, in what we were doing. Um, what happens when two of the partners believe we ought to go to the left and the other partner believes we ought to go to the right? And if we don't, you know, line those things out very clearly in the front end, then um, you end up paying a lot more, not only just out of your pocket to be able to legally get it all straightened up, but but you also end up um, spending just an enormous amount of time and energy that are not productive 
to what the business is about in the first place. And you're going back and doing all this other namby-pamby stuff that you should have gotten nailed down on the front end. So I hear you loud and clear. You don't have to say it. I'll say it. There's somebody that's lived it and done it and, you know, wish I would have had that good counsel and thought process and other ventures that we've been involved, that I've been involved in in other places. So I'm making your point. <laughs> we appreciate it, Nick. <laughs> you don't have to be the one to say, get a good attorney. I'll say, you know, you need to get a good attorney. I've always felt like if I had good legal counsel and a good CPA to keep me from flying too close to the sun, I can about do anything, you know, uh, that we want to be able to, we want, we want to be able to move forward. So is, is it, is it a common thing to have people when they can do it right on the front end, come in and say, Hey, look, you know, here's what we think we want to do. This is the way we believe we want to set this thing forward. This is how we want to be able to, you know, do this, do that, whatever. And then allow your legal counsel to draft things based off of kind of what the understanding and the vision and the uh, assumptions are at the beginning about how you want to operate. And then if later you need to adjust that, you can always come back and adjust things based off of what you've at least started with. Is that kind of the right way to get that started and, and moving? Honor, yeah, you want to take that one out? Sure, I can take that one. Um, yeah, that's kind of the idea. And, you know, we kind of touched on this in his answer, but, um, you know, any time there's kind of changes in, in ownership structure or shares or membership interest, um, that kind of thing, um, you know, that needs to be in writing that needs to generally be in some sort of formal amendment to the operating agreement or the, you know, the, you know, if it's a corporation, you know, via share certificates and whatnot. Um, and that's another thing too, if the agreement's well done in the front end, this generally sets it up to be amended easily and clearly. Um, you know, something else we see a lot of times is people that have done kind of a sort of fly by night operating agreement, you know, business makes a bunch of money. Then they come in and want to take on investors or a new partner or whatever. And then what would be a simple amendment that would maybe take us an hour if it was a, you know, well done operating agreement on the front end is us, you know, essentially amending the whole thing to make it able to be amended. Um, so that's another thing that is, you know, kind of is, you know, the chances. So it takes an incremental amount more money on the front end to make everything cheaper all the way through from there. You know, it's the difference between paying, you know, 500 bucks to, you know, some uh, unnamed internet company versus right. maybe 1500, but you save so much money every time something comes up after that um, with the added protection. Or finding a free one that you didn't even pay for that. You know, right. I mean, I mean so, um, so, so, all right. So that as far as kind of operating agreements and the way that our company is set up and the way that we're doing, how much annually of a relook or a revisit needs to be done other than I'm assuming everywhere you file that some Department of Commerce, Secretary of State, you know, corporations, divisions, whatever you call it within their, whether state or jurisdiction you file, there's some kind of an annual filing, right, that goes on in each spot. And is that just to make sure phone numbers haven't changed or registered agents are different or you know, Hunter maybe was my registered agent and he was at Bradley, but 
you know, now he decided to go solo practice and he's no longer there. Now I got to have a different registered agent or something like that. I mean, just kind of basic housekeeping stuff, right? I mean, it doesn't really take, I mean, your attorney can do it for you, but some of that stuff really doesn't take an attorney for you just to be able to do basic. Right. You can kind of say, go ahead. But. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah. So uh, one thing that we often recommend is for a pretty small fee, I think it's like 150 bucks. Last time I checked, there's companies that'll serve as like your registered agent, um, wow. 150 bucks a year. Um, and if that, if you have that money, I mean, some people have more shoestring budgets than others, but if that's money you can afford to spend, that's a lot easier than uh, when uh, you have to list yourself um, or a lawyer's office. I mean, the problem with putting your lawyer's office on there is you never know when uh, they're going to send you a bill for, you know, checking their mail and, you know, forwarding it on to you. And somehow that's, you know, a tenth of an hour that you just had to pay a lawyer for. When you pay these companies um, uh, who serve as professional registered agents, and they make sure, you know, they check the mail every day. They make sure that it gets to you. If you get sued, if you get a notice from the state government, um, you know, they'll email it to you right away. You'll have it. Um, I, I think that's typically a good idea. Because otherwise, you could list yourself, of course, as the registered agent. But you got to be really sure that you're on top of your your inbox and you're, um, you know, you're checking your mail all the time because, you know, if all of a sudden you start to miss, um, you know, renewal deadlines or um, certification deadlines and things like that, you know, becomes problematic. So, or um, service of a lawsuit. That, sure. Yeah. Um, and and, and, and so that's, that's the way to do that. And, then, you know, otherwise, I mean, to some extent, this org stuff can be a little bit set it and forget it, um, provided that nothing changes. Now, you know, things tend to change, so you should certainly be looking at it every time you're considering some sort of change, maybe taking on an investor, or maybe somebody's looking to, you know, uh, separate from the company. Um, you know, you're going to want to look at it uh, in the event that there's, uh, you know, maybe a, an employee that's going to leave and, um, you know, you need to decide if there's going to be some sort of severance. I mean, there's all sorts of things that would be in an operating agreement that you're going to want to look at in the event that something's happening, but, you know, hopefully it's not something that's going to be uh, an ongoing burden to you, you know, on a day, day to day, week to week, or even, you know, month to month basis. Uh, It's it's just, it's just a good idea to periodically review to make sure that it's still in line with what your goals are and that it matches what your, the, the practical realities of your business are. You know, they, we tend to drift as we go, and uh, and there may be some pivoting and course corrections that we make uh, in business as we go, and they may be really good ideas. Uh, you just want to make sure that you're uh, operating in organizational documents reflect what you're actually doing. Yeah, I heard somebody say one time, a, a, a good document like this for a legal agreement <clears throat> It's very clear about how you get it started, and it's also very clear about how you end it, right? And and so that there's yep. not any ambiguity on who's owed what and who does which, and you know, 
any of those pieces are important. So, um, so, so if that's something that I know that I want to be able to periodically just check in on, particularly if there is not only something that has changed or is about to change, but just checking in, are we, you know, give it a good checkup, review everything in line. You know, it doesn't mean that you necessarily talk to your attorney every month or every couple of months, right? Just because you're out doing your thing, unless there's a contract for review or something. So if, if we do that for the operating agreement, what are some other documents that you think uh as far as just good housekeeping, keeping our our keeping ourselves uh uh up to snuff on where we are? Uh, our contract, something like that, that we ought to review from time to time, just to, that we have a sales contracts or um, um, with groups we're doing business with. Yeah, I can take that one. Um, so, yeah, you know, the I mean, honestly, a little different context, but a lot of the same kind of overarching advice for the operating agreement supplies the contracts, you know, the. The clearer everything is on the front end, the lot, you know, makes it significantly less expensive to litigate or maybe makes it where you don't even litigate at all because it's so clear to both sides when something goes wrong. Um, and there are sort of, you know, kind of a lot of best practices on, you know, some provisions to include, provisions not to include, drafting tips, uh, you know, or, you know, kind of certain ways to draft it. You know, I think kind of the base level question is, you know, is when to get an attorney involved. This probably deals with the kind of the dollar amount and the complexity or not necessarily the dollar amount, but the value of the contract. You know, if there is a big, you know, exclusive manufacturing agreement or a sale for, you know, a significant amount of money, um, you know, get a lawyer. But, you know, most firms will kind of have templates that they can use and kind of tailor to it. So it'll probably be less expensive than you think. Um, and you can also, if you are an agree or a company that has sort of, you know, frequent, frequently uses the same type of contract. Um, maybe you have like a master services agreement that's kind of has your standard form, but then you have all kind of, you know, you kind of do purchase orders under that. You can kind of set up forms for all those documents and, you know, have a meeting with your lawyer, get those all together, lawyer drafts your templates, and then you can kind of have a little you know, lunch and learn type thing where it's like, okay, this is when you need to call us. These are the things that you can kind of adjust on your own, probably without much guidance, but you ever have a question, you know, give me a call. Um, but, you know, I think some of the, the important things to think about um, that Nick, we discussed kind of right before the call um, and things that are less obvious, you know, there are, you want to think about what's called a venue provision, which specifies where the lawsuit takes place. If there is a dispute um, generally the party with the greater bargaining power gets to pick that, but it can be subject to negotiation. Um, you will generally want it, or a lot of times at least want it to be in your home state and then the venue to be in your hometown or the closest, you know, kind of courthouse to it. Um, for more complicated agreements, a lot of parties choose Delaware law just because, um, for choice of law, not necessarily choice of venue, just because they have uh, a lot of corporations there. Um, another thing to think about is um, what's called a fee shifting provision, which says generally the, the party that wins the lawsuit, the other party has to pay their fees. Um, and kind of at a very high level, um, the main rub on that negotiating point is who's the party most likely to breach. You know, if you're buying some goods and all your only obligation is to pay for them, essentially, 
um, you know, you got to think about, is it less likely that I'm going to pay or that they're not going to deliver? Um, because you want, and if there's kind of ongoing obligations, if you just have to pay, they have to sell you the goods, but then they have all these warranty terms, stuff like that they have to do over time. Well, all you had to do was send a hundred thousand dollars. They have stuff they have to do for the next two years. So you think they kind of have more opportunities to breach there. Um, and those are kind of, those are pretty specific points, but I think generally it is kind of knowing, I think having a good meeting with your lawyer on the front end, knowing what you can handle yourself and when you need to call the lawyer. I think that will be on kind of value level basis at a high level and then kind of in a situational basis on kind of more particular contracts. Cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and of course, just as much time, I guess, is another connected subject for that is, is, um, it's it's however much time that you can give your attorneys to be able to get stuff structured saying hey look i just got an offer from you know xyz super super court and they want to come in and buy us out and we're ready yeah, call your lawyer for that one <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, but you know um, uh, and they want to do it over the next x months right i mean the sooner that you start at least setting that that those parameters up so that you can understand what's important from our end, you know, because um, uh, you might actually be as our attorney being the ones who were actually negotiating some of the components and pieces of that, right? I mean, right. I don't know that we would always want to be the ones to do that, to do that negotiating piece. We would tell you this is important and, and know there's, or maybe there's some deal killers, right? Or there's some sacred cows who go, oh, no, 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 it's got to be this or, we got to keep the name because that was my, you know, my mother's maiden name and the name of the company. And therefore, it's important to me. Or, you know, I'm probably only being slightly facetious of things that you've heard tell of before. Well, I think the, the workflow on those normally um, that we like to do is, you know, we get word from a client that they are in talks with somebody. Um, and, you know, you can kind of meet with them, hear their thoughts, and then kind of you could, you know, maybe put together a kind of a draft term sheet with a bunch of kind of gaps to fill in and say, okay, now go do your business thing. And, you know, the term sheet can say, you know, there's no, this is not agreement until it is signed, sealed, delivered. So then you can kind of let the business people hash out the main business terms, you know, how much equity for how much money, you know, licensing of IP, that kind of thing. And then you bring back the lawyers in the back end to, to kind of hammer out the big 20 page document that talks about, you know, the big sale of the business or the, you know, big new 30% investor or something like that. But, um, and that's something I think you can kind of, it's good to have that first, you know, 10, 15 minute talk with your lawyer on the front end and kind of figure out how you want that to work. Because I do think there is um, generally a lot of value in letting the business people hash out the big picture terms before you get lawyers fighting over the small terms. Uh, Cause then you figure out what's really important and you just, you have your lawyer, lawyers involved for less time, which is generally going to save you money. I guess that would be the, the more that you can get that stuff figured out on the front end so that there's at least some email traffic going back and forth. Dear our attorney, dear the other team's attorney, we, the, all of us here in close on this email, have agreed to these terms. Boom, 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 boom. Now we need y'all to go to legal and lawyer it up and get it done right. I mean, that's obviously a way better deal than going, no, we didn't agree to that. Or no, we got to argue about that piece of parts. 
Right. Another th- and just on that point, since we kind of got into the bigger picture stuff, you know, always think about whether you want to sign an NDA before you start talking with somebody about the sale of your business or some IP licensing. Uh, that's not, and that's a that's a template you can you know get to put together pretty quickly and use it for all of the things. But you know, don't go tell somebody your great business idea or all your secret sauce with an out, out an NDA. Then they say, well, you know what? I'm actually not interested by it. And you see a new company doing the same thing pop up a month later. Uh, no, my bad, Mary. Yeah, we're good. Thank you for talking to me. That <laughs> enjoy lunch. Right. Uh, right, it's terrific. So, what are what are a couple of other things? Are there some other things just just from a housekeeping, keeping my my um, keeping my trains running on time from a legal perspective of things that I ought to be reviewing periodically or annually or something like that, just as a, as a kind of a quick check-in other than my operating agreement and my, uh, any kind of contracts that we think might be up for renewal. You know, this is not exactly what you asked, but, but I think it covers a lot of what we've discussed. And that is, um, you know, we, we encourage our clients, uh, try to always be getting better as purchasers of legal services services and a lot of people are intimidated by uh lawyers um you know not physically usually but um <laughs> uh, you, you know the, the process um you know lawyers i think have historically done a, a pretty poor job of of demystifying what it is that we do, uh, and, 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 and making it seem, uh, practical and, you know, to some, and to some extent sort of obvious, you just need that sort of gloss of professionalism to, to, sure. to accomplish what it is that you're trying to do. And so because of those things, a lot of times, you know, people are afraid to ask, you know, how much is this going to cost? Um, and, or they, they don't, uh, they don't contact the lawyer in the first place because they just assume it's going to be expensive. Um, and what we like to do is, you know, have really open and frank conversations, uh, throughout the process. You know, if somebody wants us to look over a contract and give them an idea of, you know, about how long we think it's going to take, you know, what our rate is and. Right. Um, and you can kind of go from there. A lot of times you can negotiate with your lawyer a, a flat fee. You know, if, how, how much is it going to cost you to form the company? Here, here's the comp- type of company you want to set up. Um, here's all the details. Could you, could you tell me a set number we could agree on in advance um, that you're going to charge me for the work? And a lot of times uh, that's a way to... Uh, make sure that there's no surprises. Everybody's working on this, you know, everybody has you know, all the interests are aligned uh, and you don't have to sort of second guess, um, you know, the time that your attorney spent on things. So, uh, and, and the same goes, so feel free to always ask, you know, if, if you're concerned or uh, about the cost, you know, what the costs are going to be. And a lot of times it's going to be just an estimate because things change, things, you know, the deal changes midstream, the, the contract gets bigger or smaller, um, and that's when you just have to, you know, engage in the process of discussing this type of stuff with your attorney. And if your attorney's not willing to have those kind of conversations with you, then, you know, you might want to be 
questioning whether that's the right fit for you. Um, and uh, over time, where you end up is, you know, with a lot of my good clients, I'll say, look, why don't you draft? You take the, you take the pen on the first draft. You know, write it out in just plain English what you think the deal is. Right. And then we'll make it, we'll make it legal. Um, and that will, that has two benefits. One, it, it forces you to, to, to sort of think through what the actual terms are. And it probably saves money over time because I didn't have to take the pen on the first draft and charge you for that time. So uh, a lot of times that's an effective way to make sure that everybody's on the same page and it saves you some money. Now, look, if you're fortunate enough that you're just so busy and, and you've got a ton of money and you want your lawyers to handle everything, that's great. And we love those clients dearly. Um, but uh, we're also uh, happy and used to dealing with people who, uh, you know, don't have unlimited legal spend. And, you know, we want to make sure that they're getting what they want. And the best way to do it is just to make sure that everybody is on the same page. And the only way to get on the same page is to have the conversations, even if it feels awkward uh, or not like, uh, or a little intimidating. Uh, I think you, you have that conversation. And, and if you don't feel like you can have that conversation, then again, I think you should reconsider whether that's the person who, you know, you want to hit your wagon too legally. Sure. Well, it's quicker and it's probably less expensive when you, when y'all are in the edit mode than you are in the creation mode. Right. And so when you've been, it's always easier to shoot, always easier to shoot at something. Um, and to say, you know, yes, no, good idea, bad idea than it is to sit down looking at a blank screen and try to come up with something. Right. And we're looking for, you know, nine times out of 10, we're looking for y'all to put in all the legal language. We don't know what all that means and the where for vows and not this is and based off of this and what, you know, all those other pieces that need to be included in all that stuff that we don't know the, we don't know the way to draft that, but we can say, I want to get, I want to accomplish ABC and one, two, three. This is the time frame of why it's important. These are deal pillars for me. These are things that are, are non-negotiables. This is incredibly important. Here's where we're trying to get to. You know, and then almost like, all right, the highlighted stuff is stuff you need to look at. The rest of it is legal language, and you just got to know that we're putting in the right legal language. Obviously, you can read all of it if you want to, but I'm not going to want to do anything. It may sound smart, but it doesn't mean that I know it. So I think that's part of it. And I think really where we're, where we're, <clears throat> what we're talking as we're wrapping through this is, is finding that right, um, uh, firm, or, or or attorney that um, has the breadth of being able to handle myriad of pieces that are going on in operating a business other than just following my organizational documents and getting started. And, and so some of it, particularly as it gets into things like, uh, uh, like we do in the hemp and cannabis business, there's probably, well, there is. There's even more information of layers of that because of legalities of things of what we're involved in and not because this industry is, is getting cranked up. So having good counsel is is uh, smart on a bunch of different levels. So um, very cool. Thank you all for that uh, thought process. What else, what have we not thought of or said as we're relating to this, keeping your, keeping your, uh, 
doors open and keeping yourself um, up to snuff uh, in the legal um, uh, agreements and documents and things to review. What are, what are we missing that we haven't thought about or talked about? I would just, you know, look, uh, if you have a deal with somebody, write it down. If you, ha- you know, and if you write it down, then follow up what you wrote and keep a copy of it. Golly, keep a copy of it. This is invariably when people come to us, they, you know, they, they either, they don't have a deal, um, they don't have it written down or they don't have the signed version. Uh, you know, they, they work hard to, to negotiate a deal. Maybe they got lawyers involved. And then it turns out that nobody bothered to keep the version that everybody signed. Ah. And that, you know, that's not a, that's not a deal breaker. Um, and you know, a lot of times people won't, you know, won't dispute that that was the deal, but boy, it's a lot better when you can sort of push across the table, the document that everybody signed. Right. versus pushing across the table, well, here's the deal. And they're like, well, there's the blank for my signature, and I don't see my name there, so not sure what you're thinking about. Is this your signature, and, Mr. Smith? <laughs> yeah, right. I mean, this is, you know, in my prior life as a litigator, this is the kind of stuff that we would, uh, uh, you know, that, that would be important. And so um, a lot of that really just would just keep copies of things. You know, have a folder keep a paper copy if that's more convenient for you. Although what I'd recommend is keep a paper copy, uh, if, if you wish, but certainly, you know, have a folder that's on your, you know, hard drive and in a cloud or some sort of, you know, safe place, uh, where all of your key documents are, you know, think about it like you would think about your taxes or, um, you know, the deed to, you know, a piece of property. So, um, it's just, it, 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 again, it's one of those things that uh, that usually isn't a big deal, but when it becomes an issue, it is a really big deal. And uh, ounce of prevention, pound of cure, uh, it, it's really, it, it only takes a few, it only takes a little more to, to make a big difference on this kind of stuff. So it's not fun. It's not interesting. It's not why any of us, chose whatever uh, business or profession that we chose, uh, but just through an awful lot of experience, I think we can all, you know, warn people that if you, if, you know, you, you don't do it at your own risk. There you go. Good counsel. So remind us if we want to uh, connect with, um, uh, with you, Quit or you, Hunter, where's the best place us to start? Uh, Bradley.com and then go to the cannabis working group and see all your information there. Is that best? What's the best place? You, 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 you could, you could certainly do that. You could, uh, you could, uh, go to the budding trends blog.com website. Um, and both see links to us and, and other of the editors and the cannabis team members and, and also read, um, what we hope are sort of lighthearted but interesting uh, thought pieces about uh, the types of issues that we discussed today, but also uh, anything from uh, industrial hemp uh, matters, uh, federal legislation, uh, or the types of uh, music that Hunter likes. So um, uh, we've definitely gotten a lot of uh, definitely, yeah, definitely sure. <laughs> sure. He he will definitely tell you all about it. But it it is a uh, 
uh, it, it is, it's getting a lot of traction. We're really proud of it. Um, and we, we try to, we try to keep the content going, uh, pretty regularly. So, uh, no. trends blog.com is, uh, is a, is a, is a fun place. Absolutely. And if anyone is interested in learning more about, um, our, uh, national help, uh, growers cooperative, where we focus on building wealth for our members through regenerative agriculture and sustainable development. You can always go back to our website at nationalhealthcoop.us and uh, learn even more about us. Hunter and Webb, Bradley Law Firm, thank you guys for yet another great uh, episode of Insight as it relates to all things legal in the health business. Till next time, thanks. This podcast produced and distributed by MWB Studios.